This episode of Tester's Island Discs is sponsored by TestRail, a modern web-based test management tool which allows you to manage all of your testing efforts in a centralized location. To learn more about TestRail and to find out how you can sign up for a free trial, visit www.testrail.com or see the details in the show description. Welcome to Tester's Island Discs, your most musical guide to the world of software testing. My name's Neil Studd, and I'll be your castaway companion. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tester's Island Discs, where today I'm joined by the one and only Richard Bradshaw. Richard is someone who I first met when he was organising Knots Test, the local test meetup in Nottingham, England. He's been speaking and having community involvement from early on in his career, and he continues to create his own content today. One of the things he produces is a YouTube series called Whiteboard Testing. He also creates courses to help teach programming to testers, speaks at conferences and runs workshops such as automation and testing. But aside from that, he's also heavily involved in the Ministry of Testing. He moved from being the friendly tester to being the friendly boss at the Ministry of Testing. And at the end of last year, he was promoted to the position of Boss Boss. Hello, Boss Boss. Hello, Neil. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I would say it's practically a contractual obligation, but uh, I always enjoy, <laughs> enjoy I always enjoy talking to you. And I know that you don't have much of a background in movies, so we were never going to get you on screen testing very easily. I know you probably could. It just wouldn't be very entertaining for anyone. Be like, have you seen this film? No. This film? No. <laughs> this one? No. <laughs> I have to say, I, I did really enjoy the um, panel session you did, did at Leeds Testing Atelier about the how the fuck do you test Jurassic Park? That was a, a really fun session. It was actually pretty good. It was much better than I expected it to be. I think they're going to do some more of them because it, it was highly entertaining for sure. Yeah. Myself and Dan are working on something to do at Test Bash Brighton around screen testing. And I think we might take a similar format. We'll take a, a classic film and then just deconstruct it with whoever's in the room afterwards. Yeah, it would definitely work. Right? It was hilarious. I think I'll, I'll put the link on the uh, in the notes as well because it was very funny. And there's so many films that I imagine would make sense for this from a testing perspective. Yes, indeed. So how are you settling into your new role as Boss Boss? Um, slowly would be the honest truth. Uh, it feels like a big lot of responsibility. But over time, it's like settling in and starting to find my feet. And, you know, we've grown as well in recent years, well, in recent months even. So we're trying to make sure everyone's got focus and making sure we're doing the right things. But yeah, it's, it's exciting, but nerve wracking at the same time. It feels like a huge weight, you know, because the community's done so much for me and other people. To now be guiding that ship is, uh, yeah, it's terrifying in a way. You posted an infographic last week that's showing just how much the Ministry of Testing has grown in the past year. And just the, just, I mean, the, the physical size of the infographic is, is clear enough as to how much you've got going on. Uh, and it's great that the community is, is running around to, to pick up things themselves and uh, to spread the word about the Ministry of Testing. You've always been someone who creates a lot of content. I remember the first time that I spoke at a conference was a workshop at Testbash Brighton in 2015. And you were giving me a, a debrief after that workshop and you were talking to me about how you had this idea of a thing that might be called Lego automation about how to teach automation through Lego activities. And within, certainly within a year, you'd taken that to multiple conferences around the world. You'd really developed it. You'd iterated it. Where do you find not just the time, but also the drive and the discipline to just keep churning out content like that? Um, it's not the drive is, I don't know, we'll, we'll probably get onto the drive. I just have the drive. I don't really know where it comes from, but I'm just always working. I, you know, I do do my own stuff in my own time, but I spend a big portion of my time working in terms of the creativity behind some of this stuff. I spend a lot of time reflecting. 
uh, when I've been working as a, you know, in testing and finish the end of the day and just reflect and think, what did I do today? What could I have done better? Was there someone in the team that I educated that day that they learned something from me? Is that something I could share with the wider audience? And then the other way around is, you know, the way software is these days, we're all spending time looking for resources. And when you can't find one that's giving you the answers or you have to go to three or four different resources to find the answers, those are the kind of things that made sense to me to try and create something that had the answer in one place. So that's pretty much what I started doing, really. And that sounds quite similar to what happens on the Ministry of Testing Dojo, which is a, a gathering place of thoughts and ideas and community-generated content around testing. If our listeners are interested in creating content for the dojo, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, it's a great question. It's something that is pretty much the focus of myself this year and our education boss, Sarah. We want to turn the dojo into you know, community-driven online-based learning, I guess. So we're trying at the moment, we're producing lots of supporting material uh, that will help individuals who perhaps don't have a teaching background. They've never run a workshop. They've never really thought about teaching, but they probably have massive amounts of testing knowledge. So we're going to be pairing them up with myself and Sarah and be able to support them in taking all the knowledge that they do have, structuring it and giving them advice on how to turn that into video content. So it is a case of getting in touch with myself. You can email me at richardministryoftesting.com. Uh, but also there will be some pages up soon explaining how it works and um, the revenue share that's in there as well. So, you know, Ministry of Testing, typical style. We make sure everyone is earning for, for their efforts they're doing. But everyone can really do this, you know, sitting in front of your computer with a recording or a microphone. You know, it's, it's, it is nerve-wracking at first, and you can probably vouch for that having all the podcasts you've done. Um, but once you get used to it, it can be very rewarding and you get a great sense of satisfaction when someone uh, uses your material. Yeah, I've produced a few pieces for the dojo in my time. It was, it was a few years ago now, but it's still some of the best material that I think I've created. Uh, and that was partly through the help that I got through the likes of you to refine that content and to produce it in a format that was suitable for the dojo. I'm really looking forward to producing some more content myself in 2018, possibly in video form, possibly in webinar form. We'll see. There's, there's some ideas bubbling under the surface. <laughs> but as with everything, it's, it's all about where you find the time. But it, it sounds like you, you seem to have an almost unlimited resource of time somehow. <laughs> uh, many hours in the day, isn't there? You know, who needs to sleep? Well, yeah. Uh, but we're hoping, you know, we want more and more people on there. We need new voices in the, in the community. Um, we need new materials, new ideas. And there's so much, diff- so much diversity in technology these days. There's so many areas to cover. So I'm really hoping, my goal is this year to get a lot more people on there. There's a few people we've started working with um, who I approached, but once, we, once we've got a way of working in place, then I'm definitely going to open it up to the community to turn it into a basically a challenger for the rest of the education pieces that are out there. There's very little limited choice between, you know, you have certifications and then you have training that's provided by other institutes. And then you also have, you know, big consultancies that come in and give lots of training and then leave again. Whereas we want another alternative that is basically from testers doing their job or from developers actually active in the industry right now. Fantastic. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what the Ministry of Testing has in store for the world in 2018, a little bit later on in the podcast. Before that, we should get on to the reason why you're here, which is that you have been shipwrecked on a desert island as several other testers before have done so. And you managed to salvage five songs to bring with you. 
what was the first song that you chose and why? So I'm going to try and do them in a chronological order. So my, my first song is Adimus, and it's by a Welsh composer called Carr Jenkins. Now, the reason why I've chosen this song, it was actually on an advert for Delta Airlines, which is an American airline. And in my childhood, um, I should never admit this, but in my childhood, I used to spend a lot of my time with my dad uh, plane spotting, which is uh, a version. It's a bit better than train spotting, but essentially it's going to airports and looking at planes and collecting the little numbers that they have on their tails. And that's kind of what got me into computers because we used to maintain a little database on my dad's computer with all the planes in it. And I got to travel the world from a young age with my dad going to different airports around the world. So it just reminds me of my early my early youth and my love of aviation and the fact that I am a bit of an aviation geek. That was Adamus by Adamus, a.k.a. Carl Jenkins. Now, Richard, one of the things that you wanted to talk to me about today was mobile testing. What is it about mobile testing to you that's so interesting? So I spent the last probably three three years out of the last four years testing mobile applications. And you just start to realize that even though it's a new space, so much of your previous testing knowledge can be taken to it. But the other thing I like about it is, you know, there's new devices all the time. You get to mix hardware with the software. Uh, you get to go out and about, which I always encourage anyone mobile testing to do. Go onto the streets and test the app as you're walking around. It's just also nice to actually have the thing in your hand as well, I find. Um, but yeah, it's just the diversity and the, the spectrum that's out there, which is also a nightmare from a testing point of view. Um, but it is just fun to have all these latest gadgets. I was going to say that historically there's been big problems around things like device fragmentation, different operating systems, different screen sizes. Are those problems getting better or worse, do you think? Uh, I would, you'd have to say they're getting worse. Um, you, you know, We used to have the stance that Apple was rather consistent, but then they, they diversified very, very quickly, and now they have all sorts of different screen sizes as well. Having said that, there is a lot of knowledge from the past that we can still use. People forget that we used to test different versions of operating systems. We used to test different versions of browsers. We used to test different versions of browsers on different operating systems. <laughs> So there's lots of experience out there. But yeah, sadly, it is getting worse, but the tools are also getting better, which is an advantage. The automation space is improving. The cloud providers are improving. uh, And people are getting more aware of the difference between emulators, simulators, and devices, which is helping people um, be able to test more effectively as well. And a lot of device manufacturers have fairly mature frameworks of their own now. So there are ways that you can actually, that even if you're looking at different devices, there are standardized ways of testing those standardized frameworks and mechanisms that you can use. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and also the fact that we are starting to plateau a little bit, which um, I think is a, is a good thing in a way. You know, devices themselves haven't really evolved a lot in the last year, two years. They've kind of stayed, stayed the same size. The performance has kind of stayed the same. So I think we're kind of reaching a new, I don't know what's going to be next, but they have been a bit more stable. Mm. And I guess purely from a tester's perspective, you can't be sad to see that Windows Mobile has disappeared again. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. 
Oh, I remember being given it when I was working at O2. Uh, it was like the big launch. They came down and gave us this Windows phone, and I was like, oh, no. And I had to um, I had to put a VM on my Mac so I could even get the thing to talk to each other. I couldn't get the USB to download the app. It was a nightmare. I was really tempted to buy a Windows machine, but I resisted. <laughs> my mum has just moved from Windows Mobile to finally to Android, and she she's... Uh, She's struggling to make the adjustment because she's got so used to Windows Mobile, but I'm delighted because it, I can actually answer her tech support queries now. <laughs> Whereas previously, I thought, I have no idea. I'd, like, I'd say, go and download this app. Is that app even on Windows Mobile? Yeah, yeah. Tech, family tech support is a thing I'm very much used to. Funny enough, I've, had, I've been doing some today. My dad came around to do a bit more work on our house, and he turns up with a, he's just booked a British Airways flight, and he's like, how do I get the British Airways app? And it's like, bloody hell, Dad. You know, how do you not know to go to the Play Store by now? <laughs> so... <laughs> Every time it's something different, yeah, it's it's tough, but, you know, it's part of the generation, I guess. And we'll go on to talk a bit about how you prioritise testing on different mobile devices after we talk about your second song choice. So my second song choice is Children by Robert Miles. To be honest, this song means a lot to me, even though, I don't know, the song's not exactly amazing, but it is just the, the beat, just everyone in the UK at least really knows this tune. But the reason why I chose it is, and it's not necessarily meant to be a bit of a sob story, but during my youth, I went to seven different primary schools. And then eventually my dad quit his job, uh, retired early, and started driving me to the same high school every day. And my dad used to love this tune, so he used to play it in the car, full blast, literally blowing the speakers. And it just reminds me of the sacrifice that my dad gave to be able to keep me in the same high school, which subsequently obviously has impacted where I've ended up today. Um, so yeah, that's what that song reminds me about. was Robert Miles with children. So let's picture a theoretical situation that we'd actually probably all been in, which is we've been working on a web-based project and the product owner comes to you and says, okay, Richard, we test this on mobile. How do you even begin to answer that question of does, does our site support mobile? Oh, tough question. Um, my immediate would be to get, to get some information quickly. So I'd probably crack open DevTools on Chrome and just use their mobile emulator just to have a quick look at what the site looks like. You know, does it immediately look awful or is it kind of looking okay and there's a few tweaks to do? I'd rather do that because that's easy access. It's quicker to get to to get into the DevTools than it is to go and get many devices just so I get a bit more information before we start targeting our other devices. And then after that, the important bit is analytics. You just need to know what your user's actually using and the best way is to pump some analytics in there if there isn't any. And if there is, get some access and find out what people are using. So given the choice, do you prefer to be testing on physical devices or do you prefer to have the, the more control of actually you know spinning up a virtual device? I prefer to have the real devices just because that's what our users have. But, you know, obviously it's not always the case. You know, you, it, if it's a quick thing and, you know, you understand the, the inherent risk that may come from using an emulator or a simulator then there's nothing stopping you from going ahead and doing that. But having the real device in your hand is 
far more appealing, especially if it's one of the things I encourage a lot of testers at O2 to do was to get real devices and actually put SIM cards in them. So, you know, real life scenarios happen while you're testing on the, when you're testing on the device, phone calls come in, text messages come in, other apps come on the screen, the operating system asks you questions. You tend not to get any of that on an emulator. So I do prefer the real device. And plus it means I get to play with them so I can work out which phone I want to buy myself. (laughs) Yeah, you mentioned earlier about going outside and testing. Like, yeah, there's, there's there's no substitute for the experience of taking a phone and going through a tunnel and see what happens to the experience when you, you briefly lose connection and, you know, does it come back after the dropout? Exactly. And it's a way of getting more hours in your day. So just tell your team that you're going to leave work an hour early because you're going to test the app on the train. Mm-hmm. And you will find lots and lots of issues whilst doing that. Uh, one important piece of advice, though, is to make sure your app is full of as much analytics and logging as possible, because some of those scenarios are near impossible to recreate. Mm-hmm. So make sure you've got that in place. And then the other one is, you know, if you're going to walk around and have a walk around to different places around the city that you're in, Sometimes bars have very dodgy signal inside them, so you might want to go in there and have, have a test while you're sat in a bar. How convenient. <laughs> yeah, or a coffee shop, of course. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned the uh, the roaming around because you've described yourself before on your Twitter bio, I think, as you're a, you describe yourself as a digital nomad. I did, yeah. So I added that on at the end of last year when we, we moved away from Winchester where we'd been living for about a year and a half, two years. And we decided to go traveling, but as doing that, I ended up chatting to Rosie a lot more. And that's kind of when I really started helping MOT more. So I ended up getting to travel around Thailand, Australia, and New Zealand whilst working for Ministry of Testing. Mm. And we've been doing that ever since, well, until about December. We, we were in back at home in Macclesfield for a bit, but then we went and spent six weeks working from Montenegro and just a few other visits here and there. So, yeah, a digital nomad is someone who just works in the digital space and travels the world while they do it. It's, it's nice, but it's also quite hard to do work. <laughs> Don't tell Rosie that. <laughs> but, you know, you're in beautiful places and you know you've only got so much time there, but at the same time, you know, you've got commitments from work and you have to, you know, you have to sacrifice some of the time being able to see the sites to, you know, to earn, the, earn your money, which in turn fuels you carrying on doing what you were doing. Mm. But sadly, it's all come to an end. But we are going to plan a nice trip um, between Tespas Sydney and Tespas San Francisco, which should be nice. We're going to go to Japan. Fantastic. So before we talk more about mobile testing and mobile automation, it's time to hear about your third song choice. All right. So my third song choice is Mardi Bum by the Arctic Monkeys. So again, you might realize there's a theme here that most of my songs are flowing through my life. Uh, This reminds me of university. I was the first in my family to go to university. Not everyone in my family was supportive of it, and I knew I would get into lots of debt by going to university, but evidently it was the thing that got me into testing as I had had a placement year, and it just reminds me of my time going through uni. And also I got to see the Arctic Monkeys before anyone knew who the Arctic Monkeys were because I ended up in a random bar in Sheffield where they were playing before anyone knew them. So it just reminds me of that time, and it's just it's a fun tune as well. I've seen your frown and it's like looking down the barrel of a gun and it goes off And how come all these words, oh there's a very pleasant side to you A side I much prefer as one verse Laughs and jokes around, 
Remember cuddles in the kitchen, yeah, to get things off the ground, and it was up, up and away. Oh, but it's rare to remember that on a day like today when you're argumentative and you've got the face on. That was the Arctic Monkeys with Mardi Bum. Now, when we're considering mobile testing, we also have to consider how automation fits into that. We've had people on the show before talking about automation. But specifically, when thinking about mobile automation, there are off-the-shelf solutions available or there are open source frameworks for building your own. What are the factors that people need to consider when they're considering whether they're going to add mobile automation into a project? The biggest thing to factor on the mobile space is really how much time do you have. When you think about web automation, it's taken a long time for it to reach the stable place that it is now. And to reach that stable place, it took a lot of the browsers adopting the direction that WebDriver was taking. And that just quite hasn't happened with automation yet. So you have obviously the leading open source one would be Appium that's doing incredible work and you know providing a brilliant solution, but it's not really backed by the actual uh, manufacturers themselves. So you need to factor that in, in terms of making sure you give yourself enough time. That is the biggest thing. And also execution time is another thing. Mobile is inherently slow. You know, you've got to download the app to the phone. You've got to wait for the operating system to kickstart the app. And then you can finally interact with it. So yeah, I would say time. If you've not got a lot of time, it's probably not advisable to go down the automation route. And a lot of that is true of automation in general. But I, I, but I agree with you that mobile automation is slightly more immature or there's a wider range of tools that aren't as well established. So testers might find themselves in an organization that's standardized on one tool in particular that's as good as the others out there, but is, is different in some way. Are there any good sort of catch-all resources that people can go to if they want some general advice on how to get started in mobile automation? Yeah, so Source Labs took over Appium and they've got lots of materials on their website now related to Appium. Um, there's a guy called Shashakant Jagtap. He has a fantastic blog all about XCUI tests, so iOS automation and that whole pipeline that goes with that. And then the Android best place to go to pretty much these days is the Android developer sites. So using Expresso has become the go-to framework. So again, if people are looking for advice on specific tools, my go-to place at the moment would be to go down Expresso and XCUI because they kind of, they're built by the manufacturers and they're inside the app. And then if you really want to do some more on top of that, then down the Appium route. But direct to the source is pretty much the best place to go to at the moment for these tools. And if you're looking for some general all-purpose advice from others in the testing community, then obviously there are things like the Testers IO Slack channel, the Ministry of Testing Slack, that have different rooms and groups where people can pose questions and they may well find someone who's had some experience with that before. And that's one of the best things I think about the community is there are people out there who've solved these problems before. Exactly that. And that is that is the biggest powerful thing about Slack at the moment is in terms of having access to thousands of testers in some of those channels to get answers very quickly. And then there's the club as well for answers that live a bit longer. The downside about Slack is it loses its history. Mm. So we do try and stick some of those good answers onto the club. And there's also a few articles on the dojo about mobile as well. And there's a few on my blog as well. So yeah, there, there is lots of stuff out there. Uh, it's just a very... Um, up and down space, the tools seem to come and go and they work stable for a while and then Apple do something and then they don't work again. <laughs> so being active in the community is probably one of the best things you can do 
in testing, but specifically in automation because of the number of common issues that people run into. And we'll talk a bit more about some new community initiatives after we hear from your penultimate song choice. So my next song choice uh, is a sad song for me. It means a means a significant amount to me. So the song is Little by Little by Oasis. And sadly, we played this song at my brother's funeral. And sadly, my brother committed suicide. And he was such an energetic guy. And he's something that fuels me to just keep pushing myself in life because, you know, sadly, his was taken from him. Uh, so this song just sweet, reminds me of my brother, but also even though it's quite a sad song and it has a nice line in it about testing as well though, but it just fuels me now in my life and helps me keep pushing on. That was Little by Little by Oasis. Now, we spoke at the beginning about your new role as Boss Boss and some of the new up-and-coming events that are happening in 2018 in Ministry of Testing. So the first one that's coming up at the end of March is in Brighton, where you're running an event at Test Bash Brighton called the Unexpo. What's that exactly? It's a crazy idea and experiment that me and Sarah, the education boss, came up with just chatting one day. So the Unexpo is an attendee-driven expo. So a lot of conferences put expos at the heart of their events and it's tool vendors, companies, consultancies, etc., all advertising their wares and their services. We're going to try and flip it and have a have an expo that is driven by the attendees. So you'll walk into the room and there'll be a big table full of paper and pens and you can draw yourself a poster about anything you're interested in. Perhaps you want to know more about mobile automation. Perhaps you want to know how you can contribute to the community. Perhaps you have a very specific problem that around proxies or learning how to program. You create yourself a poster, you write on it what you're looking for help with, and you go and stick it on one of the boards and you just stand in front of it and the attendees walk past. And if they can help you, they'll chat to you. If you're not by your poster, then they can write down on post-it notes and they can stick it to the poster. It could be to email them. It could be a blog. So yeah, it's basically trying to allow you to share the things that you're really looking for and allow the attendees to walk by and engage with you and give you the advice that they have. Okay. Are people just putting up questions that they want to have answered? Or if you're someone who says, who, for example, knows a lot about mobile automation and goes, can you get up there and say, I want to run a session about mobile automation, kind of like, like at the open space, or is it just for, just for asking questions? No, it can be exactly the other way around. It could be, look, I'm a mobile automation guru. Please come and talk to me about mobile if you're after any advice. It can be literally for anything. The goal is to have some sort of piece of medium that 
encourages people to engage on similar topics. So you can walk around and find someone who may have a similar topic they want to discuss and you two can meet each other and start chatting. And then hopefully that will form a longer relationship that will go on beyond the conference where you'll continue to help each other. Yeah, it sounds really interesting. It sounds like a, a natural development of the Test Bash Circus that was done at Philadelphia last year, where basically each of the speakers uh, ran, a, ran a short session about on the subject of, the, of their uh, of their talk. But as you say, it's flipping around. So the attendees there get even more value out of it because they get to talk about the things that they want to talk about. Um, so that sounds fantastic. Exactly. That. And also sometimes, you know, you expect a conference talk might deliver what you, you know, what, what the abstract says. And sometimes they always, they may miss the mark. So this is now an extra place where you could go to to potentially get those answers you're expecting to get. And more recently announced is another new event in Manchester, which I don't know how to pronounce it. Is it pronounced test.bash? It is, yeah. <laughs> the brackets and the semicolon are just for, you know, to, to please the uh, code, the code people. <laughs> so this is going to be a normal test bash standard format, single track, nine talks during the day. But this time around... Whereas a test bash is, you know, we aim to deliver content that's on testing, on software development, but also around the human aspect of being involved in software development, such as mental health and physical health. So test bash is kind of like an all-encompassing. However, with the demand at the moment for technical testing, automation, it's really what the community are asking us for. We thought, well, why not try a focused test bash? So this test bash is going to be solely focused on technical testing and automation. And hopefully that will mean, you know, we can appeal to a wider audience and but also get some really good content on those topics because they are in demand right now mm. and they are seem to be growing. So, you know, let's let's help those people who are interested in that give them somewhere to go and somewhere to you know confer and communicate with each other. Excellent. And that's going to be in Manchester in September, the day after the Test Bash Manchester event itself. And that's not the only new Test Bash event this year. So we've got Dublin, Sydney, and San Francisco. Yes. Pushing on several yeah. fronts. We are indeed. It's mental. Um, we don't know why we do it to ourselves, but <laughs> if people aren't aware it's a franchise model. People approach us and they ask us, can we do a Test Bash here? And when you factor it all in, it, these locations just make perfect sense. I'm trying to budget to get to at least one of uh, Sydney and San Francisco, but the, the money only goes so far. But the best thing about being a member of the dojo, a paid member, is that you can experience all of the talks, even if you can't get to the events. And the events themselves are obviously great, but it's another reason why signing up for a dojo membership is well worth the effort, I think. Yeah, 100%. Like, obviously, I'm biased, so you know, yeah, people can think what they like, but there is seven test bashes next year, kind of eight if you, if you count test.bash being a separate event. With nine talks coming out of each of those, you know, there's going to be a good 80, 90 talks added to the dojo, all from this year. So they're all current, they're all modern content. Uh, and, you know, for what is relatively a low price, if you can get your company to support you in getting a dojo account. But I hope to see you at the Neil. You know, you've been to a few now and uh, it is getting harder and harder to get to them all, which is good. But it means we can reach more people and get more people involved in what is a truly wonderful community. Yeah, I did, did joke when San Francisco was announced that it does feel like you're picking my holiday locations for me because uh, I, I love San Francisco. <laughs> I've been looking for a reason to get back there. But as you say, it, it's going there because there is such a large community there. Sometimes it's good to be able to just get to a, a completely different part of the world and see how, how they do it effectively because otherwise you get, you get too much isolated in your own little bubbles. And uh, it's good to see the way the testing is done elsewhere. 
Yeah, especially in somewhere which is known as being like, you know, a home of tech, you know, San Francisco, what, what, how do they view quality? What kind of abstracts are we going to get? What is that audience looking for? And it will help us in the long run as a community, make sure that, you know, we are producing content on all the various levels. If you live in the UK and you work in the UK, you probably have a, a UK view of how testing is being done. But across the wider world, it's, it's being done differently everywhere. Yeah. So Sydney is in October, San Francisco is in November, and all the details are on ministryoftesting.com. And that leaves us with just one song choice for you left to explain to us. So my final song choice, uh, this one's hard to explain. Like I just, Whenever I listen to it, I just love it. And also they're a Manchester band. So the song is I Want to Be Adored by the Stone Roses. And all I'm going to say to it is like, who, who doesn't want to be adored? That was the Stone Roses with I Want to Be Adored. And the Stone Roses become the first band to be mentioned twice on Tessa's Island Discs. Rich Rogers picked Fool's Gold a few episodes back. So a special place in Tessa's Island Discs history for the Stone Roses. And the last piece of business is the book that you would take to the desert island with you if you had to. What book would you take to keep you company on the island? So someone who's been an inspiration for me in the recent years, probably four or five years ago, probably the first time I heard his name is Jerry Weinberg. And I had the privilege of meeting him and taking his course in Albuquerque a few years back. Now, he wrote a book, which was the first thing someone told me about Jerry, and it's a general introduction to systems thinking. And I must have got eight pages into this and my brain exploded. And I've tried to revisit it since, and I struggle every single time. But systems thinking is something that I'm now more familiar with from easier to read sources. However, I would love, I'd have nothing else to do, so I'd force myself to tackle this book and get through it because I've been told it's really insightful and the topic is obviously very interesting. Fantastic. I'll add that to our bookshelf. There's a list on goodreads.com of all the books that have been selected by previous guests. That is linked in the show notes. Now, this is the point where I would normally ask guests what they've got coming up this year, but I think we've established you're doing everything. If there's a thing going on and it's <laughs> ministry of testing involved, you're probably there and you're probably, uh, probably, <laughs> probably bossing it. I am being all of them this year, but that is just because Rosie's just had her fifth child. So traveling for her is not an option. So if you want to see Rosie, you've got to go to Brighton. But the rest of them, yeah, I am going to. I have the poor, poor job of traveling the world going to all of those this year. feel sorry for <laughs> And if people want to send their sympathies to you, <laughs> what's, the best, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? So I'm on the Ministry of Testing Slack, which is the one you'll probably get at me a lot quicker, which is ministryoftesting.com slash Slack. Apart from that, you can get me on Twitter at Friendly Tester. Fantastic. And it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast, Richard. And thank you for yourself and the ministry for supporting this podcast. It's a pleasure. Honestly, mate, this is a brilliant podcast. It's been so well received and I hope that you are able to continue doing them for a long time because it's it's just a fantastic format. The the the, uh, the requests to be on keep coming in and I, I do have to apologise that I will get to everyone eventually. For every one episode that I put out, I get about three or four new requests to be on the podcast, including someone who I shan't name who has 
accidentally submitted twice with different songs. So I need to talk to her and say, which songs do you want? <laughs> there's a side bonus as well is that i get a fantastic playlist to listen to (laughs) yes our playlist is on spotify uh, and that also is linked in the show notes so thank you very much for coming on richard and i look forward to seeing you in brighton if not before yeah i'll see you in brighton thank you very much awesome and thank you all for listening and i'll see you all in two weeks time bye testers island discs is brought to you in association with the ministry of testing written and produced by neil studd theme music by tony lovich Follow us on Twitter at Testers Island.